0: Well, praise the Lord. Amen. And all this in heaven, too. I tell you, you don't know how blessed you are. Turn, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah. We're looking at prophets uh, through the summer. We've got a couple of, well, one more week, I guess. And then it's September. But we're thankful that you're here. Great to have college students with us this morning. If you're here from uh, Laterno or ETBU or Kilgore College, just stand up. Your college, Kilgore, ETBU, Paterno, thank you guys. Scattered all over. Thank you. Woo, look at him. <laughs> Amen. Are you all out of high school? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Don't forget, right after church today, we've got lunch for all of the college guys over in the Grand Hall. Doesn't cost you a penny. Uh, and uh, it, I guarantee you, you will not get E. coli. All right. <laughs> We've had that in the freezer since last year, we've been waiting on y'all, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremiah chapter eight, beginning in verse four. Jeremiah chapter eight, beginning verse four. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all sufficient word. The Bible says, Jeremiah eight, four, moreover thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord, shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented of him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Every one turned to his course as the horse rusheth into the battle. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times. The turtle dove and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. How do you say we're wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. Father, thank you this morning how we've been tremendously blessed already. And we just thank you for the power of your spirit that's in this place. ask you to make yourself at home. Lord, we want you to have your way in every life in this building today. We love you, we thank you, and we're praising you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to speak this morning on the danger of backsliding. Now, I want to make a a thing right up front because I know when I talk about backsliding, and incidentally, don't forget, you can go on your smartphone or web or or your tablet or iPad or whatever. You go to the app, and the notes for this morning is there. I got up early this morning, 6 o'clock, and put them there just so you would have them and be convenient for you. Uh, When you talk about backsliding, immediately I know people say, "Uh uh-oh, here he comes. He's fixing to beat the living daylights out of us. He's going to tear us up. He's going to light a fire under us. And I'm telling you, that's not what I want to do this morning at all. That is not what I want to do. God's people can backslide. God's people can backslide. It's not a crisis of a moment. Now, listen to me. There is a time when the devil can side blind you and come in and just hit you just like that. That's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about backsliding. That's why they don't call it backfalling. It doesn't happen all at once. It's a backslide, it's a long process. It's not one night, it's not one day. Uh, Born again believers can do things that are mean, they can do things that are harmful. Uh, A couple of biblical examples, Lot. uh, I mean, when you hear about Lot, what you hear about is Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, that's what everybody preaches about Lot. But I want to tell you, Lot was kin to Abraham. He, He heard the secrets of God. He was walking with God. He was a companion of God. No one will ever convince me that when Lot started out in life, somebody said, Lot, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to end up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot would say, not me. Mm-mm. No, no, no. My uncle Abraham, he, listen, we walk with God. I mean, we, we know what's up. We, we, we're all right. We're all right. And yet when you find him at the end of his life, he's there in the middle of Sodom. It didn't happen overnight. It was a, a long process. Think about Samson, the days of the judges. Everybody, the Bible said, did what was right in their own eyes. We move from the day of Joshua, a day of the anointing, but the Bible says that uh, they forget about Joshua, and they forget about the God of Joshua, and then the world goes haywire. Hello, America. When you forget about God, the world goes haywire. I, I, I can't stay there very long, but I just want to tell you, God brought some judges into view to speak to his people and to challenge them to come back, And he brought deliverance from the people of God. And he had tremendous, Samson had tremendous strength, physical strength. Most of it based upon the fact of his Nazarite vow that he had committed himself to God. And yet when you think about Samson, all you read about is him being uh, uh, chained to a grist mill with his eyes gouged out. Now he didn't start out like that. He started out as a mighty man of God and yet he ends up I just want to tell you God's people can backslide and these are two examples of it here so today I want to look at the marks of a backslider and I want us to examine ourselves because I want to tell you here's the truth I just want to shoot straight with you you can be backslidden and still be in church this morning you can be backsliding and still be church on Sunday night Monday night Wednesday night you can be singing in the choir, all of that, and still be in the backsliding situation. So let's look at the, we used to sing an old song, Brother Dale, years ago, out of the Heavenly Highway Hymnals called Drifting Too Far From the Shore. We're drifting too far from the shore. And that's what happens when you start drifting. It's, it's like you never planned to, but you end up drifting, too far from the shore. So what are some marks? Number one is this. The first mark of a backslidden person, and that a person is in backsliding, is found here uh, in verse five. The, and, and it's denial of reality. Verse five, why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They hold fast deceit. In other words, you come to a place where you're not who you really are with you stand before God. I mean, if somebody were to get you over coffee and sit around a table and say, Hey, how's your spiritual walk with God? Oh, it's great. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. No, it's a denial of reality. They may still be involved in worship and live groups and reading the Bible, but the reality, the closeness, the zeal, the passion, the joy, it's gone. It's gone. They hold fast, verse 5 says, to an appearance that is not reality. They deny the reality that things are not right. You want to know the first step of backsliding? For you to sit here knowing good and well you're not right with God. But you're telling everybody else you are right with God. Everything's all right in my house. Everything's all right with my spiritual walk with God. But you know deep down, you really didn't want to come this morning. You've just got an appearance you need to keep up. you got a family you need to impress. you got a business deal you need to work on. Hmm, denial of reality. The second thing, though, that's here is there's a pretense of commitment. Verse 6, uh, it says, I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. But the, the words are insincere. Now, remember it's a slow process. You can get in this deal called backsliding and not even know you're in it. It's a slow process. Somewhere here, they've not faced up to the fact of commitment. Uh, There's a lot of folks today uh, that uh, are pretending. They're pretending and smiling in the choir. They're pretending uh, on Sunday morning. They're pretending Sunday night and Wednesday night. But it's just pretense. It's not real. Their actions are not matching up with what their mouth is saying. And then verse 6 also talks about self-complacency. The Bible says, no man repented. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, what have I done? When we begin to to drift, now every one of us, if you've been saved this morning, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. He lives inside of you. Amen? Some of y'all are good hosts and some of you are not real good hosts. But the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of each one of us. And when we begin to drift, that Holy Spirit will speak to us. And he'll say, "Mm mm-mm. Now, he may not just come out and say, hey, hey. But you know in your heart what you've done is wrong. You know you ought not to be doing this. That's the Holy Spirit dealing with us. He's saying, don't do that. We begin to drift, and he convicts us, and he begins to deal with us. But when we're backsliding, uh, we ignore all of that. We just say, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. The Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says don't quench the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, and you don't listen to the Holy Spirit. You don't hear God speaking. You refuse any note of rebuke. You get comfortable in your position, and you're just self-complacent where you are. You're in the middle of a backslidden condition. And then thirdly, a fourthly, that's the third one. The fourth thing is you get into the flesh instead of the spirit. Verse 6 also says, what have I done? Everyone turned to his course as a horse rusheth into the battle. There's enthusiasm. A lot of things. but listen to me. There's a fleshly enthusiasm as well as a spiritual enthusiasm. And we've got to be careful that we don't get in the flesh. uh, Galatians 5 tells us that we have a new nature that the Lord has put in us. But it also tells us that we keep that old nature. I mean, wouldn't that be great? I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful if the Lord had set this thing up where when you get saved, you just got a new nature and you don't have to deal with these crankheads anymore? These old sire people, they're not there anymore because you automatically know they're lost because that's how they are. But see, that's not the way it is. You can be saved and still be a crankhead. Huh? I'm just telling you, according to the Word of God, you can be saved and still be mean as a junkyard dog. I mean, when we think about that old nature and the works of the flesh, the lying, the stealing, the lusting, the bitterness, the meanness, you think, man, that's awful. How could God's people do that? Well, sometimes they're not even doing that. Sometimes it's just a zeal that they have, but it's flesh produced. I mean, brother, I heard a quartet singing this last week. I am not lying. They were singing, we're marching around the great white throne. People were shouting, and I thought, you bunch of idiots. I ain't marching around the white throne. That's where the lost people are. They're going to hell. What would we be watching around the white throne for? We ain't there. We're at the judgment seat of Christ. If you've been saved, you miss the white throne, folks. If you get the white throne, it's too late. I mean, if people are, whoo, get them all fired up. I love that old song, Build Me a Cabin in the Corner of Glory Land. And that ain't mine. I want a mansion. I didn't put up with Baptist 46 years to live in no cabin. <laughs> Bless God. I I mean, I don't want no little old one-story mansion either. I want something with escalators and all that other stuff. Bless God. Boy, you, you look over in the book of Acts in chapter 16, and these ladies are doing what's right. They're running around with Paul and Silas, and they're saying, he's from the great high God. He's from the great high God. He's from the great high God. Finally, Paul says, sit down and shut up. Cast the demon out of her. You say, wait a minute, what she was saying was right. Listen to me. Anything that keeps you from hearing the Word of God is not induced by the Spirit. Anything. Now we, I, you know, there, nobody would like to shout more than I do. Nobody likes like to get happy more than I get happy. But I'm going to tell you, it, you better, we better make sure it's in the Spirit and it's not in the flesh. We're just sitting here to put on a show? That's the, no, 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 that's backsliding. Anything that distracts you from receiving the word. I can get Brother Aaron up here, and he can start on this piano. Oh, say, can you? And man, people will clap their heels together and you'll stand and you'll wave a flag. And I can tell you a couple of dear, tear jerking stories. This little boy went to heaven and he's standing outside. His daddy's standing out there and said, Daddy, come on in. I can't come in, son. Daddy, come on into heaven. I can't come in, son. I didn't come to the revival service under T.D. Jakes and now they won't let me into heaven. And we're just all crying and weeping. That's the flesh. Be sure we're not in the flesh. Make sure you're in the spirit. Now, you say, how do I know that? You see, if you're in the flesh, you probably got up this people get up and they say one of two things in the morning. They either say, Good Lord, it's morning, or good morning, Lord. But you're gonna do one of those two things. I mean, you get up in the morning and say, Good Lord, it's morning. Or you get up this morning and say, Good morning, Lord. See, the joy in Nehemiah, man, no one worked harder than Nehemiah. I mean, that dude worked 52 days. They rebuilt the walls that had been torn down for years, 52 days. They kept saying, Nehemiah, come down here. We're going to have donuts and coffee down here this morning at Shamgar. Come on down here. Let's fellowship first. He said, I ain't got time. I'm doing a great work for God. Until, uh, Sanballat and Tobiah went up. They tried to get him get down off the wall. Get he never would get out off the wall. In Nehemiah chapter 8, he tells us why he was able to keep going, why he pressed on, amen, and kept pressing on. You know what it was? He said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's how he can press. Now, Baptists got this backwards. We got it backwards. You're visiting here this morning. We'll have some good natured member come up and he'll think in his mind, if I can get that old boy involved, he'll learn to love the Lord. No, he'll make everybody else miserable. What you need to do is fall in love with the Lord and then get involved. But until you got the joy of the Lord, I just assume you not serve anywhere, you're not served anywhere because you're going to be a pain. I'll just stop right there. <laughs> ah. You see, when you get the joy of the Lord, nobody got to beg you to do anything. You don't have to say, well, I got to get up and off the couch and go to church. No, I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> the fruits of the Spirit is joy, rejoicing the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. And you say, Brother Charles, I'm committed. Well, where's the joy, man? You look like you're mad. He you said, Brother, I'm walking with God. Well, that, wh- where's the joy? You look like you got a kidney stone or something. <laughs> man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Could you get happy in Jesus today? That's the joy of the Lord. Mm. Well, let me give you this real thing there's a breakdown of discernment. Verse 7. The stork in heaven knows her appointed times. The turtle dove, the crane, the swallow, observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. You see, when you begin to backslide, you lose your sense of discernment. And when you lose your sense of discernment, you become easy pickings for the devil. Now, I don't like to watch a lot of these nature shows. I mean, where these animals are eating them up and all that stuff. It's part of nature. I mean, it is what it is. But I've noticed something on those wild kingdom shows when those lions are stalking those antelope. And I've been there in Kenya on those hunts there and and, and watch Those lions, they do not look for the leading antelope. They look for the one who's weak, who's straggling behind, who's discouraged. I want to tell you this morning, folks, the devil's not looking for the strong Christian to destroy. He's trying to find one who's discouraged, who's lonely, who's weak, who's got their feelings on their shoulders, who's mad about everything in the world. And that's the one that he wants to attack, to destroy. You see, when you're living in the flesh and you've lost the joy, and you're not real about the fact that you're backslidden, you're still singing in the worship services, you're still serving in the flesh, but you've lost all sense of the joy of the Lord. That's the one the devil wants to attack. And What he's saying here is the birds have an inner instinct about migration. They obey the law of nature. Let me tell you something. When it's time to go south, they don't start saying, well, there's a good movie on tonight. Why don't we wait? No, they go south. I mean, the moment it's time to go south, they go south. When it's time to go north, they go north. They're not distracted by anything else. And what the Lord is saying is, you've got my word, you've got my law, you've got my divine revelation. Babylon is sitting here getting ready to march on you. You're fixing to fall into slavery, and you're sitting around making excuses. You refuse to repent. You're saying we're going to build walled cities. We're going to hide. We're listening to false prophets telling you that I'm okay, you're okay, all dogs go to heaven. We've lost all sense of discernment. Now let me put that into East Texas vernacular so you'll understand where we're talking about. Some of you are saying let's get our ammo all saved up. Save up all the ammo you want to. Uh, when they come to my house, I'm going to be ready. Be ready all you want to. You see, we're sitting around making excuses on these worldly things, and God's saying what the problem is, you're living in sin and you won't repent. We'll we build wall cities. How many times have I said to myself, would to God we could go out here in the woods somewhere and build us a compound and just be, only let those in that we liked. Amen? I mean, (laughs) I'm just being honest with you, but I want to tell you something. When Satan attacks, he'll attack that too. We're not safe. The problem is not that we need more walled cities. The problem is that we need greater repentance, that we need to fall on our face before God. We can still be coming to church, singing in the choir, but I want to tell you, many of us today, we've got to be, now listen, we're shooting straight here this morning. You say, oh, I, I'm tithing. Well, we're giving God what's left over. We're certainly not giving God the first. You say, well, I'm, I, I'm working with the Lord's people, and I'm trying to do something. Well, we give when, you know, if the family's not going to the ball game, or if, the, if somebody's not coming in, or we're not going on a fishing trip, or something like that, well, hey, yeah, well, you know, the cowboy's not playing, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, we'll, 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 serve, we'll serve the Lord. You've lost all sense of discernment, all sense of discernment. One of the greatest things on this cell phone here is a thing called uh, ESPN. I can be at church, and I can slip this thing under there where nobody sees me, and I can get the score of the game while everybody else is sitting here, some asleep, some looking around, so, Yeah. <laughs> You, you, what are you gonna do sitting home watching the Cowboys play this year? Are you gonna be able to score a touchdown for them in the living room? No. You see, you got a pastor here in the pulpit that is praying. If you a big cowboy fan and you missing church to watch the cowboys, I'm praying they get beat. <laughs> I'll just tell you straight up front. I'm praying they get beat. So if you want them to win, you better be tithing. You better be coming to church. You better be witnessing. Amen? <laughs> Can I tell you today how blessed it is to have the Word of God? Man, have mercy. Let me close with this last thing. I'm not going to close, but let me get to the last thing to get to the next point. <laughs> there's a misplaced confidence. When we begin to backslide, you begin to put more confidence in human direction than you do in godly direction. There are people who are running all over this world trying to get advice. I read, I don't know if you read yesterday, I read it every day. I don't believe it, but I read it. Yes, I, I shouldn't read it. That's kind of being a hypocrite, I guess. I just like to watch what Dear Abby says. She had a hooper on there yesterday. She was telling this young teenage girl, 14 years old, that don't be too hard on these people who have chosen to be transgender or whatever or, or homosexual or lesbian because they don't have a choice in that. Well, I'm going to tell you something this morning. You're sitting here this morning because you've got a choice. There are choices. There are some relevant rights and wrongs in the Word of God. And when you begin to place your confidence in what man tells you you can do, instead of looking at what God says you can do, you begin that trek of backsliding. So let me just sum them up. There's a denial of reality. We say we're okay when we're really not. There's a pretense of commitment. Our mouth doesn't match our actions. There's a self-complacency. The Spirit's dealing with us, but we're sitting here like a knot on a log. We're, not going, we're singing, I shall not be moved. There's a fleshly enthusiasm. We're still teaching. We're singing. We're preaching. We're serving in the flesh. There's a breakdown of the discernment. We're not in tune with the Spirit of God. We're not plugged in, and we can't discern truth from error. And then there's a misplaced confidence. Man is more interested in what man says than what God says. Now, there's some common sense here. Look at verse 4. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord, shall they fall and not get up? Shall he turn away and not return? He said, look, let's use some common sense. I never will forget the last time I played baseball here in Longview. They got me out here on the field that's going to become the new Kroger <laughs> one day. We're not going to be alive, but it'll be there. <laughs> and I made a running catch. My legs have always been weak, my knees. I tripped, and I rolled about three times, but I caught the ball. I caught the ball. I want to tell you, I like to kill myself. <laughs> All the men run out. I said, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine thinking, Lord, get me off this field. I promise I'll never get back on this field again. I'll never forget another time Becky and I were sitting in a swing. (laughs) Boom! That thing hit the ground. I don't remember which one of us got in last. But (laughs) But I do remember what both of us did. We immediately looked around (laughs) to see if anybody saw what happened, and we got up as quickly as we could. That's what he's saying here. Hey, when when you fall down, don't stay down. It makes common sense to get up. But he said, you're falling down, and nobody's saying, are you going to get up? Will, Will you not get up? Common sense tells you when you fall down, don't stay down when you're going the wrong way. Now, I know husbands are the exceptions of this, but you don't keep going the wrong way. I got this little GPS thing. Now, I'll tell you what I do. I'll be honest with you. I turn her off. I turn the voice off. I get tired of hearing it, take our next U-turn, take our next U-turn. Take a next U-turn. I spend all my life taking U-turns. <laughs> but but the bottom line is, when that thing shows a U-turn, I have to either trust my instinct, which years ago I was much better. But you get old and you can't remember whether left is right and right is left, and whether you came in to get a drink of water or whether you came in. I don't. You know you don't know. <laughs> so when my little GPS says turn around, I'm gonna tell you what I, I turn around. I want to go in the right direction. Why would you keep on going in the wrong direction knowing you're going to end up in a mud hole? Repent. I just ask you this morning. I'm not judging you. I'm asking you to examine yourself. If you know you're headed down the wrong road, why do you have to get to the end of that road and be in the mud hole and be down on skid row bottom before you wake up and say, Dear God, I repent. I'm sorry. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to make things right. Now, how do you do that? Well, quickly here. Some positive things. Number one, you repent and love God. You repent and love God. You see, some of you this morning, you already sat right there and you say, "All right, preacher, I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to do more. You you missed everything I'm talking about. I'm not asking you to do more. It's not about doing more. It's about loving Jesus. That's where it is. When you fall in love with Jesus, you'll do more. Nobody's going to have to ask you to do more. You remember when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment out of all of them? I mean, we've got 10 big ones. What's the greatest? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, strength, and mind. Love him. Pursue him. Get in the Word of God. The Bible says they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. As the deer thirsts for the water, so my soul longs for you. I want to know what God's like. A.W. Tozer, a lot of people have branded him like a Christian mystic, but he was a tremendous writer. And he was a pastor at a Christian Alliance church in Chicago. He was on his way to Texas to preach in a in a revival meeting. And uh, those days, uh, they took trains. And uh, I'm not sure. uh, My wife and I are going to take a train on our anniversary for three or four days. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Uh, Hopefully it's better than the old trains were. But anyway, he got on a train in Chicago headed for Texas. And he said, uh, one of the porters came by, and said, is there anything I can do for you, get you, make your trip more comfortable? He said, if you could get me a writing table, I would really appreciate it. And so he got him a writing table. And from the time A.W. Tozier left Chicago to the time that he got to Texas in one uh, about two nights, he wrote the entire book. The book, if you need to get it, it's called The Pursuit of God. Tremendous book. Tremendous. I encourage you to read it. Pursuit of God. Now, you say, how in the world did he write a book? In, in really one night in two days, traveling on a train. How did he do that? He did it because it was out of the overflow of his Christian life. Listen, that's, that's, Listen, when you're up here singing, it ought to be the overflow of your Christian life. It ought to be what's flowing out because you've been with God all week and you've talked with God and you've prayed with God and then there's the overflow. When you're preaching, it ought to be the overflow. When you're teaching a Sunday school class, hey, yeah, you need to to get the statistics and you need to teach the Word of God, but you need to be teaching from your overflow of what God's doing for you. God inhabits the praise of His people, but you can't worship Him if you don't love Him. You can't love him unless you're in the Word of God and know him. So here you are pursuing God worshiping God and as you're pursuing God and you're studying the Word of God and you're pouring that into your heart suddenly the Spirit of God begins to overflow in you and Galatians talks about it the love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering and the Holy Spirit fire begins to blaze not because you're doing a bunch of religious activity but because you're overwhelmed with the fellowship of a living God inside of you that's what overflows key, not doing more, the key is loving Him. Love Him. Worship Him. Serve Him. And then, let me just share this with you. You need to take ownership for your discipleship. This is a great church. We've got some great life groups and all of that. But I want to tell you the bottom line is, if all you getting out of the Word of God is what you get here during this church service and during this life group, so you you starving yourself to death. You need to be meeting with the Lord in your own home every day. Every day. There are people, and we can make all kinds of excuses. You know, I had a guy tell me this week uh, I came to your church, but I couldn't find a parking place, so I left. <laughs> if you go on this other side, there's usually some over there. I gave up my parking spot, and I parked in the farthest spot back there. There are places over there that you can park. If not, park on the road. I mean, it's only a car. If somebody hits it, so what? (laughs) You got insurance? We can make all kinds of excuses, but could I just remind you this morning that while we're here worshiping, there are people in China who are worshiping God hidden because if somebody finds out about it, they'll be killed, and yet they're still worshiping God. And you want to live here in America where we've got the freedom to come to any church to do anything we want to do. And then you want to cop out and say, well, I'm just not getting fed. I better get off of that. I'm going to get in trouble. We need to say to ourselves, I'm going to get real. I'm backslidden. I'm going to love you, Lord. I'm going to seek you, Lord. I'm going to pursue you, Lord. I want you. I want you to have your way. Why do I want to do all that? Because I want to tell you, he's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's sovereign. He's just. He's grace. He's mercy. He's love. He's light. He's spirit. He's eternal. There's no beginning. There's no end. He is Lord. He changes not. So bless God, we ought to worship him. Now, having said all of that, I want to tell you this. It is important that you know you're saved. It's not going to do you any good to try to keep from backsliding if you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. None whatsoever. I say, preacher, none of this makes any sense. If you don't get saved, none of it will make sense. And I'm not talking about joining a Baptist church. There are more people on the rolls of Baptist churches that are going to be in hell. That's not going to save you. These denominational labels are either going to fall off on the way up or they're going to burn off on the way down. They're not worth anything. I'm talking about have you come to a place in your life where you said, Lord Jesus, I cannot save myself. I have sinned, and I cannot save myself. And so I give myself to you. You come in, take over my life, take over everything. According to the Bible, not me. According to the Bible, Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. L- let, me, let me tell you two illustrations I'm through. There's a difference, and I don't think I need to even explain this. There is a difference between a sheep and a hog. You, uh, you take a sheep, when he falls in a mud hole, he's not going to stay there. He's going to do everything he can to try to get out of that mud hole as quick as he can because it's not the sheep's nature to stay in the mud hole. You take a hog and you let him fall in a mud hole? Let me tell you, he has no desire to leave. He'll stay there as long as he can, and I'll tell you what else he'll do. He'll waller in it. If you don't know what waller is, let me know after church, and I'll show you what wallering is he'll waller in the mud hole (laughs) I spend quite a bit of time in airports and I've noticed the difference between passengers who hold a ticket and those who are on standby if you're holding a ticket I see those guys they're reading the paper they got their iPhone out or iPad out they're drinking coffee They're just relaxed, but if you're there on standby, man, they're pacing. They can't smoke inside anymore, so usually they'll go somewhere outside, and they'll smoke, and then come back and pace, and then they'll go back and smoke, and then come back and pace. They never leave the ticket counter. They're right there. I mean, just just pacing back and forth, back and forth. You know what the difference is? The difference is what we call a confidence factor. You're holding a ticket and you've got confidence. Now, sometimes that don't work. I've seen some of these airplanes lately that threw some people off who had tickets. But so far, I've never been thrown off of one when I had a ticket. It's called a confidence factor. Let me ask you something. If you knew, if you knew 15 minutes from now, you're going to be standing before God at the judgment seat. 15 minutes what would you be doing right now? Would you be saying, well, bless God, this is what I've been waiting for all my life. I'm so thrilled thrilled to be up in here. I'm just calm. Or would you be pacing back and forth? I wonder if he's going to let me in. I wonder if I'm not going to be let in. I don't know what's going to happen. I wonder what in the world I'm going to have. Listen, if you're like that this morning, why don't you settle that thing? Why don't you just come on and be saved? Now, I know, I don't want to get technical. i still got a minute. I realize, for you theologians, that you cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws you. I know that, according to the Word of God. But I'm just telling you, if you're sitting here this morning and something's bumping on your heart like that, and your wife's already poked you two three times and said, what are you doing? That's called the Holy Spirit. The devil is not trying to convince you to be saved this morning. That is not in his repertoire. So, if God is speaking to you this morning, I'm asking you today say yes to Jesus Christ. And then you can line up. We can have us one of them white chocolate lattes while we're waiting on judgment. Because ain't nobody in no hurry we got all of eternity. Isn't that going to be great? I don't know. I'll tell you. It, it, it gets old rushing around trying to get things done. And you can't ever get things done. You know, I have a, a calendar. I have a out things to do thing that I go by religiously. And i got all these things lined out. And you get to this first stop. And this one takes 30 minutes longer because somebody's jawing over something. And you, you want to just shake them and say, look, man, i got things to do, people to see places to go but none of that will make any difference on judgment day I want to ask you come to Jesus and then for the child of God who may be backsliding would you bring yourself down here as fast as you can and get on your knees and face before God and say oh God I repent I do not want it to be said That judgment is coming, and I knew it was coming, but I was too dense to understand it was coming. Father, you know our hearts in this place today. There are folk in this place that what they need today is not a better job or a better car. What they need is salvation in Jesus Christ. And I pray this would be the day you save them. Lord, there are other Christians in this place. They love you. They know they're saved. But, oh, God, the joy and the zeal, the passion, it's gone. Would you restore unto them the joy of thy salvation? Lord, there are folk in this place that need a church home. And, Lord, we need folks. We need folks in these last days who will say, I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to fellowship with a body of believers, and I'm going to be an encouragement. I'm going to lift people up. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to help them when they need it. I'm going to be uh, anything they need, Lord. I I, I want to be a part of of a church like that. God, I pray you'd send them to this place, roll up their sleeves to serve you right here faithfully as we continually watch for you to come again, knowing that the time is nigh, that the trumpet's going to sound. Lord, we humbly come before you. Have your way just real quietly before we stand. Would you just pray, oh God, would you show me today what you want me to do? I'm not talking about my neighbor. I'm not talking about anybody else. But Lord, I wanna walk out of this place for the first time maybe in my life or for the first time in a long time, knowing that I'm in the exact perfect will of the Father right now. So you show me what you want me to do and then give me the courage to go forward and do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand together? Brother Aaron leads us. Brother Jason's here. Brother Kate.